Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I'm going to minister just briefly this morning. I want to talk to you about the four reasons why we're here. Sometimes it's good to remind yourself why you're here. Amen? You know, the saying that we say a lot around here is where purpose is not known. Abuse is inevitable. And there's a lot of church abuse that happens in the earth today, uh, whether it be by people, by pastors, by, you know, unmet expectations or needs that you think are supposed to be met, demands that are supposed to happen. But it's important for us to know the reason for the church. And, and Pastor Darrell actually just touched on it. We are the embassy. We are the embassy. We are ambassadors of another nation. And you know, when you have an ambassador, they don't get the privilege or the, the uh, opportunity, if you will, to speak on their own account or their own, their own accord. They can only speak what echoes the home nation. They can only speak in line to what the, okay? So as an embassy of the kingdom of God and as ambassadors for Christ, as Paul said, I'm in chains, but, but these chains aren't what bind me. What really binds me is that I'm bound to my home nation, to the kingdom that I belong to, and to the king of kings, and to the Lord of lords. And as ambassadors, we have to be in right alignment, complete alignment with the king and his plan for the local church. Church has become very consumeristic, especially in the United States. It's become very preferential. We come in with more of a mindset of what are you going to do to meet my needs rather than how can I contribute to the cause and what is this really all about? And if we'll change that mindset and we'll understand that I'm here to contribute, I'm here to find a place, I'm here to play a part, then we will find that in return, our needs will be met. What's the word say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All the things that you need for your provision, for your vision, for your family, for sustenance and, and the resources that you need, even finances. They will come running you down. They will be added to you. This is what happens to kingdom seekers. This is what happens to those that aren't seeking their own agenda, their own plan, to have their own needs met, but they're saying, not my will, but your will be done. I want to show you real quick in Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2 says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write the vision and make it plain. So this tells us a couple things. Number one, God always leads with vision. God never starts anything without a vision. Now, vision happens in the mind before it happens in the physical. We talked about this a little bit on uh, Wednesday night. And by the way, if you miss Wednesday night, which I, I see most of you miss Wednesday night, I'm not calling you out, but I'm saying that you need to get online and listen. We ministered on the God kind, the God kind. Until you know what, until you know who you are, you don't know what to do. 
We got we to gotta reverse it. We got to gotta stop letting what we do tell us who we are. We got to find out who we are, and then we perform and behave and accomplish from who we already are. You got to get online. We talked about this, that a manufacturer, when they develop a product, the product is in their mind before it's in their hands. And they never develop a product and then say, oh, I wonder what this will be. They develop the product already knowing instinctually what it will do, how it will perform, and then putting stuff into it so that it can accomplish what it was designed to do. And so God always leads with vision. And the vision comes to a visionary. And our job as visionaries is to take the vision. And he says here, the next instruction is write the vision. Get the vision in your heart first as pastors, as leaders. I got to get, I can't give you what I don't have. I can't communicate to you or uh, we can't execute a vision that I don't have first in my spirit. I get the vision and the spirit straight from heaven, in line from heaven, in line with what his will is. And then the second step is I got to make it plain. If I give you a confusing vision, you can't follow that. A confusing vision leads to division. That's how we end up in so many different areas. And we have so many people thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And we run off in all these different tangents and no one's accomplishing what God has called us to do because we're more, uh, uh, because we don't take the time to get the vision and then make it plain. Our vision to see people anchored to Christ, to live life by faith. That's plain and simple. We want to see people anchored to Christ, not anchored to the world, not anchored to drugs and alcohol, not anchored to relationships, not anchored to jobs and and, and money, not anchored to all the things that the world wants to offer you because we know that those anchors are not sure. Those anchors are not steady. But if we will find people anchored to Christ, then their life will become immovable. Your life will become unshakable. Your life will reflect and represent a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're done with the church that is shaken and moved just like everybody else. We're done with the church that is up and down just like everybody else, riding the same emotional roller coasters and anxiety, and and we don't know what, Lord, just take us out of here. That's not the church he's called us to be. We need a church that reflects being unshaken, immovable, steady, sure, for the church is to be a pillar and support of truth. And in today's day where truth is a moving target, let the church be the one to stand up and say, nope, this is what it was from the beginning and this is what it will be until he returns. Let the church be unshaken. Let the church be unmovable. Well, we need a vision that is constant and consistent that says we are anchoring people to Christ. And the second part is to see them live by faith. Seeing people anchored to Christ to live life by faith. You hear us say it all the time. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's sight. And if we're living in a day where people live by what they see and how they feel and what they hear more than by what God's word says, we're seeing it. But the church of the living God is a church that is not moved by what it sees. If you are moved by what you see, then you cannot bring a solution to what you see. Last time I, heard, last time I checked, we're supposed to be the answer. 
We're supposed to be the, sol- the problem solvers, not the problem finders. We're supposed to be bringing solutions that get people out of brokenness and get people out of bondage and help them move past insecurities and, 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 and all the things that we see people struggle with. And so let the church help people live a life by faith in God's word. You can be the 10 spies that come back with the bad report, even though you're walking in the very promise of God. Or you can be the two spies that say, regardless of what I see, he told me it belongs to me. Let's take the land. Do we have some land takers in the house? So we've got to get the vision, know the vision, write the vision down, and make it plain. And then the third instruction he gives is that we may run with it. So it's not just to be looked at. It's not supposed to be printed on poster paper and put on signs and buildings built. It's designed to be run with. That means now it requires action on our part. I get the vision. We make it plain, and then we execute that vision. We carry that vision out. We make it so. And at the end of the day, our community should be transformed because we're here. If we were to close the doors today and shut down, this community should be missing something. There should be a hole and a void that needs to be filled. We should be that impactful that our city needs us here. I mean, we asked that question plenty of times. You guys did, I'm sure. When we were coming to Valdosta, Georgia, all those uh, uh, 10 months every weekend, I mean, you, you pass 100 churches by the time you get to yours. And if we were a grocery store or a bank or, or, or you know, we, we could easily be asking, well, why do they need another church? We don't just need another church. We need a church that is going to impact the community for the kingdom of God. And I can tell you right now, we could fill every parking lot in this town and still have people that couldn't find a spot. We could fill every seat available in any sanctuary, big or small, and we would still not have room enough to reach Lowndes County with the kingdom of God. It's not about needing more or needing another. It's about needing what God is doing in this assignment and in this call. And that's not up to me to challenge your question. You know, we're not coming in with this with a marketing idea or, or, you know, what's the cost-risk analysis. We're coming in hearing the Spirit of God. And sometimes when you listen to the Spirit of God, it will defy what man will say, what man will do, what man thinks needs to happen. When you try to live your life by man's conventional wisdom and conventional direction, you'll always be let down. You'll always be let, you'll always be in a place of needing more or reaching for more. But when you follow the Spirit of God, you have everything you need when you need it. So we've got to run with the vision. We have to execute the vision. And over 10 years, we've, we've strived to do that. And there was different seasons. The first few years, people asked us, you know, when are we going to do outreach? When are we going to, well, you know what? We got to have a base to do outreach from. We got to get spiritual. We got we to gotta get stuff out of us before we can go and get stuff out of the world. We've, there's a work to be done right here 
in our lives before we can reach our, and that doesn't mean we were completely shut-ins and, and weren't doing anything. We, there were things we were doing, but before we took a major step in outreach and, you know, going to Africa, I need to reach Lowndes County. Some people have their heads so far stretched that they're not even reaching what is right around them in their home basis. So we had work to do internally. And then part of executing the vision is also knowing what is not a part of your vision. You say no to a lot of things. We say no to a lot of things, not because we're being mean or we don't want to do it, but because if I get distracted by what God hasn't called me to do, then I can't be intentional with what he has called me to do. And many times we're so busy looking for the next thing that we abandon the now thing. We're neglecting what God has already put in our hands, trying to accomplish. And I'm not here to accomplish somebody else's vision. I'm not even here. I've told Pastor Earl this. I'm not even here to specifically accomplish yours. And he knows that. Now, we're accomplishing the vision of Anchor Faith Church as a whole to see people anchor to Christ and live life by faith. But I can tell you there are things that we do differently here than what's done there. And there's things that they do there that we don't do here. And he was very intentional with letting me know, don't try to mimic me. Don't try to be me. Don't try to raise up. Because I was there, you know, two months, 60 days into Anchor Faith Church even being in existence in 2004. I was in the doors. I mean, I saw the thing from the ground up. Saw the thing from the, from the get-go. Got to be a part of the inner workings behind the scenes. I mean, you know, Pastor Marcus and I, we were living in Pastor Earl and Marcy's garage. So we saw the internal, we, we, and it could be easy to, and there were plenty of times that we had to say, I, I'm, I can't do it like St. Augustine, can't do it like Pastor Earl, can't do it like what they did. Got to be careful. I got to hear directly from heaven. God, what is your assignment for us here? And what does Valdosta need? Because Valdosta needs some things that St. Augustine and St. John's County doesn't need. And St. John's County needs some things that Valdosta doesn't need. We got to see God assigns you to geographical territory for a reason. The church doesn't understand this. The church doesn't understand the power of the territory you're assigned to, the, the territory you're called to. And this is why we, we jump from all these conferences and we'll go to a conference of a booming church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then come back and try to implement it and it falls flat on its face. It's because you didn't hear from heaven, you heard from a conference. You heard from a leadership group. You need to hear from Heaven, because heaven will get us a lot farther quicker than trying to implement some quick building schemes. There's sure, there's a lot of things you can learn naturally and tangibly that we've gathered and that we have received, but there's plenty of things that we walk away from those things with, that won't work here. That's not going to work here. Not only because it doesn't work in this territory, but because it hasn't been assigned to us, got to hear from heaven. Then verse 3 says this, we get the vision, we make it plain, and then we run with it. Verse 3 says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision is yet for an appointed time. And at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Then he says this, 
Though it tarries, he gives us our fourth instruction now concerning vision. Wait for it. We write the vision. We make it plain. We run with the vision. And now he says, wait. And that's the hardest part. Because vision demands great patience. Vision demands great patience. I tell you what, you know, that, that one of the biggest things you have to shrug off in, in pastoring and, and leading is wanting to be further than where you're at. I, I remember early on, it was probably in, in the first three months, and I was sitting in my office at the other building. I didn't have that office very long. It turned into an infant's classroom in, in about, within the first six months, I lost my office. That's what we do around here. We just, we take people's offices. I'll set up a table. I'll carry a laptop to Starbucks. I, I didn't care. I lost my office, and we were glad to do it. That meant we were growing. I was sitting back there, and I remember we didn't even have drywall on those new classroom walls that you saw. That was one of the first projects we took on when we moved into that new space around the corner. Didn't even have drywall yet. And I was listening to um, just some worship music as I was preparing for service this Sunday morning. And the, uh, the, the video popped up. You know, sometimes if you play it in iTunes, if, it's, if there's a music video with the song, the video will pop up. And, I'm, and this video popped up. I don't even remember what church. I think, it was, I think it was Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas, where I'm from. Just throwing that in there. I, yeah. Just got to get my little Texas plug in there. Dallas, Texas, Gateway Church. And I mean, it was just, they, they have a mass, South Lake, Texas, they're just a massive, I mean, they probably could seat, I don't know, 10,000 people. We, we got to attend one service there one time when we were back home and just a massive facility. And it's a concert, you know, so they're, they're playing worship music and the camera's just going crazy and all these lights. And, and, and I look up and I see these beams of two by fours that I'm sitting inside of. It's my office, but we didn't have drywall yet. We could see right through because we started to build and then someone from the city stopped by our building and put a stop work order on us because I didn't go through them. Yeah, that happened. So we had to sit around for a contractor to come, get plans. It's like, are you serious? We're going to do the same thing whether you look at this or not, you know. Nothing's literally changing, but hey, you know, we're going to stay in accordance with our our city, we're here to be a blessing. Just bless us in return, please. So I'm sitting inside of these two-by-four beams, and all we had was the one room. So where you saw those walls going up in the beginning of that video, we had the room with the sanctuary, and then behind it, we were building kids' classrooms. And that's all we had, 2,000 square feet, half of this room. So if you take this room and go that way, that was our entire church, all of it. The sanctuary would have been right in here, out to about maybe here, and then the, the back half of it would have been classrooms. And then we eventually got the unit next to us, which was another 2,000 square feet, but still at that point, that entire space over there could fit in this room alone, the whole thing. Y'all remember that? Yeah? The whole church, kids, hallways. We didn't even have a foyer. You're either in the church or out the church. I'm serious. 
There's no foyer to go into to get a break. You had to go outside, go to your car. I think we had, you know, maybe nursing moms go into their car, turning on the AC. To, I don't know why people stayed in, in the first few years other than the Spirit of God drawing them and keeping them, you know. I remember this video popped up, and I'm looking at this video, looking at all this grandeur. And then I look out through my two-by-fours at what was the stage and the seats. And in instantly, just a spirit of, it's what it was. It was a spirit of inferiority. A spirit of, you really think you can do that? You really think this is going to be? Look at you sitting inside your little makeshift office, looking through two by fours at this little, like, what, what do you, what do you, and just, it just came over me. In these moments where you are seeing where you're at, but then there's this massive gap of where you know God has called you to be. I wonder what Abraham felt like at 75 years old. He said, you, God's told him, you're going to be a father of many nations. And a 25-year gap. See, when you get pregnant with something, you're not ready. Even those of you that are trying and expecting to get pregnant. Even when you get pregnant, you're not ready. Stuff has to be built. Names have to be chosen. Walls have to be painted. There's there's a whole preparation that has to go into it. And when God births you with vision, you yourself are not ready. He has spent time preparing the vision, but now he's got to spend time preparing you. And so this waiting period And this reconciling of where we're at today versus where we know God has called us and what we know the potential of this thing can be. That period is a preparation process. And all these years, and even now, we are still always in preparation. But what do they say? Uh, uh, um, Well, what do they say? You tell me what they're saying. It just slipped my mind. Preparation time is never wasted time. Thanks for your help with that. Preparation time is never wasted time. You're not wasting time when you are waiting on God. And in the meanwhile, that doesn't mean that we sit back and with, with our hands uh, folded and, all right, God, bring it. No, we are employing and doing what we can with what we have. That, that's what we, we found that out. It was Within the first three to five months, we attended a conference and an individual brought a word that said, use what you have in the box. Think outside the box, but use what you have. And so in the waiting time, that doesn't mean sit on your hands and get in a prayer closet and just pray everything in. No, you got to get busy working what you got. Use what you got. And in those early days, it felt like we were using all that we had, and then some. I remember we didn't even have a worship team. For the first 24 months of our church, we did not have a worship team. We played CD tracks with lyrics from YouTube on a screen. And I limited it to two songs, one fast one, and one I said, we're not, we're not going to make this thing into a whole worship. We're not going to act like it's something it's not. It's going to give us time to praise and worship God, and we're going to get into the Word. Because I can do that. I can teach the word. So let's just get there. And there were times I was just like, let's just preach and teach. We don't even need this. 
it's more embarrassing almost to do that than just bypass it and say, we just, we don't do praise and worship. If you want us to do praise and worship, you play an instrument. Go learn one, get up here and lead us in it. Yeah, everybody's everybody's tune changes at that time. They want you to do something until they realize, oh, you need me to do it. Okay. And I remember once a month, we would do what we called AFC Live. And we would invite some of our St. Augustine worship team members to come up for the weekend. And we'd have live worship. And, man, it was just always a big deal. Just live. We got live worship. Look at this. And then the next week, back to CD tracks. But you use what you have. You use what you got. You're putting what, see, you always have something in your hands, even if it's just the ingredients. I said, even if it's just the ingredients. When that widow woman, you know, told the prophet Elijah, you know, he asked for a, a make me some food first. All I have is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and we're going to build a fire. Sometimes we are literally naming the ingredients to the very thing God is asking for us. He will ask us for it in a finished product, but he gives us the ingredients and expects us to put it together and make what he's asking for. And we had the ingredients, and we went to work. We went to work on it using what we have and using what we had in those seasons, in those times, and even today. We haven't arrived even today. We haven't come to a place where, okay, we've accomplished it all. Even today, we are still using what we have. That is a mindset that stays with you when you are building something for the kingdom of God. But rather than seeing the lack of something, why don't you see what you have and how it could be used for his glory? He says, Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That means you might tarry, but it's not. You might wait on the vision, but the vision comes when it is time for the vision to come. And so the surety that we have, the confidence that we have is that the vision will be accomplished. The vision will take place. Vision does not look around. It looks ahead. Vision does not look around. It looks ahead. Vision doesn't look around at the current state of things. You know, I remember telling our leadership, our, our beginning of our leadership, Jimmy and Nikki Matthews back there, Natalie's probably in a classroom somewhere, that early leadership team, Brent and Lisa Biles, just amazing people that helped us, uh, you know, launch and, 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 and helped, came behind us and said, hey, you got a vision, you make it plain, we'll run with it with you. And they did that. And sometimes they were the only ones in service. I found a, a usher service card from the very beginning that had eight people in attendance. Eight people. And three of them were us. One of them was Chuck because he signed the usher card. Jimmy, I think you might have been the other one that signed the usher card. And so that's seven of us, or that's five of us. Probably the other three were Nikki, Lexi, and Gracie, if you just want to be honest about it. That was probably all that was in attendance that day. 
And I, I thought it was so, it's funny because it only had, it said one child marked and it said zero teachers. So Camden was probably back in a classroom just sleeping or something. We didn't even bother to put a teacher back there. Don't, don't even worry about it. I don't know. I don't know why it said that. Our phenomenal children's ministry right there. Early days. Use what you got. Hallelujah. Lose what you got. But we cannot spend time looking around at the current state of things. You have to stay focused on what's ahead. Stay focused. Vision never, vision never moves you to a place of, look at what we've done. Vision always keeps you in a perpetual state of what is yet to be accomplished. What is yet to be done. And even here, 10 years in, we, we, we sit back and, pa- Pastor Brian Shine, when did y'all move here? 2008. If you really want to tell the whole story of the thing, you're, we're in our 13th year of ministry through the different seasons and the different uh, 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 variations of what God has done with this work. Just as he said, some have planted, some water, but it's God that brings the increase. But in God's mind, this thing's been here since eternity. This thing's been here since the beginning. And you, you see the orchestration of some things, and then some things you just, you don't know how we got to where we are. But even today, 10 years in, 12 years in, 13 years in, we're still looking ahead to what is yet to be accomplished, what is yet to be done, because that vision is for an appointed time. And though we tarry, it will not. Four reasons why this church exists. Four reasons why this church exists. Why do we have this vision? Why do we lead with such vision? Why do we look ahead? I was, what I was saying about that early leadership team is we were implementing things and asking them to do things that were beyond where we currently were. That some things didn't make sense because it was like we, we don't have 100 people. We're always preparing and serving beyond the level we were. If we had 20, we were serving as if there were 50. If we had 50, we were serving as if there were 100. Today, we're ready to serve you as if there's 500 people. We're ready to take those steps because, you know, I don't want to get surprised by vision. I don't want to get surprised by what God has in store for us. We want to look ahead and we want to prepare and plan for what God is doing. Number one, to see people born again. The heart of God is to see people delivered from darkness and brought to light. To see people born again. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 in the New American, it reads this way. Who desires, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Notice that being saved does not automatically mean you come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a work beyond salvation. There's a work beyond being born again. Salvation is the initial step, but once I come in, now I'm on a discovery path to find out and realize and recognize all that is available to me in the kingdom of God. The Passion Translation reads it this way. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of 
the truth. Just as Paul preached, I, I thank God that I did not hold back or restrict the counsel of the word of God to you. My hands are clean. I gave you the whole counsel, the full counsel of the word. And this church has been founded and grounded upon the word of faith and specifically the whole counsel of the word. We don't pick and choose. We don't have preference. We don't uh, water down, compromise, neglect, abandon, or avoid any discussion or anything that's in God's word. A pastor told me very early on, probably in our first year of ministry, he said, any area you refuse to teach or minister on, you can expect your people to struggle in. Any area I refuse, if I, if I don't want to touch on finances because I think it's too touchy, if I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit because I, I don't know how you'll react or respond, then I can expect you to struggle in those areas. It's to your disadvantage that we only stay with portions of the Word of God. It is not to your advantage, but it is absolutely advantageous to you when we preach the full counsel, being ready in season and out of season, whether you want to hear it or not, whether it prunes you or whether it perfects you or whether it confronts you, whether it challenges you, whether it encourages you, edifies you, whatever. Well, this is a church where we're going to preach the full counsel of the word, the full knowledge of his truth. Number two, we exist to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're bold about that. We're open about that. It's not something we shy away from. It, it, it doesn't make sense to be filled with the Holy Spirit that emboldens you and then become shy about it. It doesn't work. But we must see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power by which you can live the life God has called you to live. Up until that point, you are doing everything God has commanded in the Word on your own. But the Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the comforter. He comes along to a side to assist you and assist you from within. You see an amazing, miraculous transformation in the demeanor of, of uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost. His boldness to stand up, his boldness to preach, his boldness to, to share what had just been accomplished at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, being filled with and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of those mocking them, these people weren't like, what are y'all doing up there? We want some of that. They were mocking them saying, can you believe these people are drinking this early in the morning? Can you believe these people uh, and the craziness they're engaging in? What is wrong with these people? And in the midst of that, he got up empowered by the Holy Spirit and ministered. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 in the Christian standard says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses. Did you know you need the Holy Spirit to be a witness? You need, a whole, you need the Holy Spirit to be a witness of the things of God. This is, look, if I have only accomplished getting you in the kingdom, but not empowering you and getting you bold enough to share and live the kingdom, I've only done half the job. We have not finished or accomplished what God wants 
for your life. Not only does he want you in the kingdom, but he wants you sharing it. He wants you doing it. He wants you living it. He wants you representing it. He wants you reflecting it. And that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see people born again. We want to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Number three, we exist to minister to people's spirit, soul, and body. This church is not here just for your spiritual sustenance. We're here to meet physical needs. That honestly is probably the most demanding aspect of pastoring, if I just be honest with you. This, what I'm doing right now, is probably, you know, if I took the totality of my time and totality of my effort, this is probably like 10% of what we do as pastors. We are walking with people day to day through the ups and through the downs. I remember Pastor Gerald Brooks in Plano, Texas. He uh, uh, was doing a leadership conference, and um, he, he said this, you know, within minutes, you can go through emotional extremes of people from one end to the other. And we recently just experienced this, just a few weeks ago. Within, I'm talking as soon as I hung up the phone and got a bad report, Somebody was waiting to share with us an amazing report. I mean, it, it wasn't 120 seconds. It wasn't, it, it wasn't even two minutes. And we had to go from a brokenness to the utmost high. We are not here to just tell you what to do. We are here to live it in front of you and then walk you through it day by day. Not just us, but our entire pastoral staff, Pastor Caleb and Crystal, Pastor Chris and Terry, uh, our um, um, leadership team, our ministry head team. Uh, they, they are not there to just get you on a planning center schedule, get you plugged in, make sure you're doing your job. They are there to walk life with you, spirit, soul, and body. Your mental well-being, your, your soul realm, your thinking, your, providing for you in a time of physical need. This is what the church does. We, we, sometimes, you know, churches get too hyper-focused in one area or the other. They become too focused on the spirit and neglect the soul and the body. They become too focused on meeting natural needs and don't give enough spiritual sustenance. They get too focused on the soul and the mental realm and they neglect the other two. But we have to be balanced in meeting the needs, spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This is what God says about the spirit, the soul, and the body. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart making you completely holy, and may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. There are needs in every element, every realm that the church is called to meet. And I'm not leaving your natural assistance up to their government. I'm not leaving our natural education of your mind up to our education system in this. Come on. The church has to be meeting these needs, spirit, soul, and body. And we will not do it for you, but we will partner with you to help you accomplish it. 
we're not raising your kids. You are. But we will empower you. We will train you. We will give you the resources. We will get them around a, 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 a God-centered formula that will direct their life. And that's what the church has to be doing. The last one, number four, equipping believers for the work of ministry. To equip believers for ministry. Now, I know what y'all think. I'm not in the ministry. I'm not a minister. You are. That's why you're up there. That's why I'm down here. Well, I'm going to give you a little wake-up call today. The moment you signed up to be born again, saved, redeemed, come out of darkness into light, you signed up for ministry. And the days of church staying in a building are long gone. The days of what happens here stays here is done. No, this is designed to get out. This is designed to go forth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, preaching and teaching, laying on of hands, uh, uh, seeing signs and wonders follow the preaching and teaching of the word, uh, um, uh, healing the sick, casting out demons. You know who that was spoken to? Everyone. It's called the Great Commission. That's for the church. And it doesn't have to happen in a revival meeting. It doesn't have to, have, to, have to happen on a Sunday morning. It can happen in a cubicle. It can happen in a classroom. It can happen on a football field. It can happen while you're working. It can happen while you're eating. It can happen in every sphere of life you walk into. That covers our outreach. I remember in those first few, when are we going to do outreach? Every time you walk out that door, we're doing outreach. You're literally, you are the outreach team of Anchor Faith Church. And you are going to impact way more people than I'm going to, than Pastor Daryl's going to, than Pastor Brian could. We, you, are, you, are the, you are going into the marketplace. You're going into the businesses. You're going into the four corners of the earth. Global missions, this is all tied up in ministry. The word ministry in the Greek literally means this, to serve. That's literally all it means. It's not a five-fold thing. It's not a specially qualified thing. We are all called ministers of reconciliation, ministers bringing people, reconciling them back to a God that loves them, cares for them, and the people you impact the people you reach, the people you touch, the people you speak to, you'll stand before Jesus one day and he'll look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't withhold that. You didn't say, well, oh, if you could only meet my pastor, if you could only get to my church, come on, we want you to invite. We want you to bring them. But man, give them the kingdom of God where they're at. You carry the kingdom. He said, don't look here or there. The kingdom is within you. Now distribute it. Now take it out. If we do those four things, worship team, if you'd come, we'll continue to be successful in all God has called us to do. If we continue to keep our eyes on the vision, write the vision. Why does he, why does he say write it? Don't just let it be on the tablet of your heart. It needs to start there. But then get it out in front of the people. I tell you many times, the vision is what draws, draws us back. The vision is what keeps us grounded. The vision is what helps us stay intentional with what God's called us to do. If I didn't have a vision, I'd be running and chasing everything that comes my way. 
But when you are a vision-led person, you become so directed and so intentional. We write the vision. We make it plain. Lord, help me. Because, man, when that vision comes, it's so much. It's so big. It's almost like, man, that'll scare people if I give that. But he says, make it plain so that people can run with it. And then while you're running, while you're working, while you're doing, be patient. Don't try to get ahead. Don't try to do more than what God's called you to do right now. Don't try to do somebody else's vision. You know, we were talking about this, uh, Pastor Daryl and I, at lunch yesterday. And we said, you know, where, where ministers get off a lot of times is not in not doing enough. It's in doing too much. Doing more than what was assigned to them. Beyond what was called to them. Beyond what what was laid in their hands and laid in their hearts. And, and, and turning that off and just getting patient before the Lord and saying, Lord, this is your vision. This is your calling. This is your assignment. You've placed it in our hearts. You've placed it over this church. But ultimately, we need your hand at work in this. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.